Good afternoon, everybody. It's Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number. This show, this hour brought to you by Service Chevrolet. It is your 5 o'clock news cruise. Glad to be home. We're glad to be helping get you guys home, rather, as we go through the news of the day. Service Chevrolet, our newest sponsor. Thankful to have them aboard. If you want to check out what Service Chevrolet can do for you, go visit them at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey. And I don't think you'll be disappointed. I'm currently not disappointed. I'm very happy. Mike Johnson is just continuing to upset the left in new and exciting ways. And one of the things that he has done today is he has gotten one of the Republican Party's appropriations bills through, and it's making the left mad. Why? Because he went after the golden goose, everybody. He went after climate change. House Republicans fast uh, first government government funding bill under new speaker. House Republicans on Thursday passed a sprawling partisan energy plan, the first funding bill approved on the floor since the lower chamber ousted its speaker more than three weeks ago. The measure passed 210 to 199 Thursday afternoon. It is only the second piece of legislation to cross the floor after the House installed Speaker Mike Johnson on Wednesday. The bill cuts more than $5 billion in spending that was passed as part of a Democrat signature climate tax and health care bill, which was approved without GOP support last year. It's kind of funny, that story, by the way, doesn't, uh, it doesn't call that signature climate tax and health care bill what it was, what the title was. You remember? It was the Inflation Reduction Act. And yet this, the journalist who writes this story can't bring themselves to call it that because they know the name was a lie. But anyway, the legislation is unlikely to become laws. The White House has threatened to veto it, but it represents the House Republican position on energy and water-related issues as they negotiate 2024 funding with the Democrat-led Senate and the White House. Among other provisions, the legislation passed by the House on Thursday targets a program that gives rebates to consumers who purchase electric appliances. It would also cut a program in the climate bill aimed at helping state and local governments adopt climate-friendly building codes. Ahead of the bill's passage, Representative Chuck Fleischman of Tennessee, who heads the subcommittee tasked with crafting the funding bill, defended the measure on Twitter, the platform... uh, as making America safer, more energy secure, and increases our global economic competitiveness. He added that Republicans are, quote, investing in America while cutting billions in wasteful, unnecessary, and inflationary spending. It's one of the 12 appropriations bills. Mike Johnson, before he was voted in as Speaker, he released to his colleagues a plan, uh, a very fast aggressive plan to spend the next several weeks uh, getting appropriations bills through the House, uniting the Republican caucus in getting these appropriations bills through the House so that when the question of government funding comes up, the House has their plan out there. So once again, the White House and Senate leadership have to come to the table and negotiate with the House. But unlike last time that happened, you don't have Kevin McCarthy sitting there crafting a miserable deal that actually screws Republicans over. You'll have conservative leadership. It's very interesting. Now, Johnson, in his plan, did admit that given how quickly 
government funding was going to be running out. They may have to pass a continuing resolution to get them through the end of the year so they could get their appropriations bills through and negotiate with the White House and the Senate. So I told you all yesterday, there was very likely chance that a a continuing resolution would need to be passed in mid-November. I know that concept makes a lot of conservatives angry, but such is the timing of how all of this went down. But if they're already working on the appropriations bills, even if they do extend funding until December 31st, they have these appropriations bills. They have a funding plan. And the Democrats aren't happy about it. They are livid. You had Jamie Raskin, the idiot on the uh, Judiciary Committee, saying that this is a theocracy, that, that, that the House elected a, a Baptist. They said was a pro, uh, uh, they called him anti-choice, anti-LGBT, anti-gun safety, welcome to a theocracy. I regret to inform Jamie Raskin that uh, a theocracy is actually what Iran is, and that's what his boss, Joe Biden, is currently coddling, is a theocracy. Electing a, 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 fun, a, a, a traditional Baptist who believes in the Bible and what the Bible says, that's not a theocracy. But Jamie Raskin is not a clever man. So I don't expect him to actually know what the word theocracy means. But House Republicans are doing work. The Senate hasn't done a thing. The White House hasn't done a thing. In fact, there's a, a piece at Politico... Let me find that real quick. Kind of ties into this. The Biden world sees thornier issues ahead. See, Joe Biden, as the Politico puff piece writes, is a man who thrives on personal relationships. And with the new speaker, he has none. His record is troubling, one advisor to the White House said. But what matters is whether there's a way to do business with him. We just don't know what we have, and we don't know how long a honeymoon House Republicans are going to give the guy. Biden and Johnson have never worked closely on any significant legislation, Politico writes. They have little in common personally and even less connection politically. The plan for now is to rely on bipartisan coalitions in the House and Senate and the urgency of a tight deadline to secure the fate of billions of dollars for Israel and Ukraine and the future of the federal budget. The administration is hoping Johnson earned enough goodwill from his colleagues to negotiate, or conversely, that those same colleagues are simply too exhausted from the three-week process of finding a new speaker to mount much of a protest should Johnson cut a deal. See, that's what the Democrats are hoping for. They are hoping that Johnson will cave and cut a deal. And who knows, maybe Johnson will. But I have reason to believe that if Johnson does try to cut a deal, he's not going to cut a deal from the middle and the deal move left. He's going to cut a deal from the right and force the White House to the middle. My suspicion is that Mike Johnson is going to split the baby. And they're going to separate Israel and Ukraine aid. And Israel aid will pass through the chamber. It's Ukraine aid that's the sticking point. And I imagine Mike Johnson will get that through the House, and it's going to be up to the Senate and the White House to decide on whether or not they really, really want to have that fight right now. I'm not sure they do. Because right now, the Progressive Caucus of the Democratic Party, the progressive wing 
of the Democratic Party. They are causing tons of headaches for the Democrats. The Democrats are behind the scenes getting very frustrated with Rashida Tlaib and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and some of these others. They're getting very frustrated at the fact that the pro-Hamas caucus of the Democratic Party is being so loud, is being so vocal, and they're encouraging these riots that we're starting to see across the country, including now, yes, at Tulane in Louisiana, in Shreveport, we've seen a pro-Palestinian protest. Even here at home, in Shreveport, which is Mike Johnson's backyard. Very interesting to note all of that. It's very likely Johnson will come to the White House and say, you want, you want foreign aid? Let's talk about it. Here's what we're willing to offer Israel. And the White House will say, what about Ukraine? And Mike Johnson will just smile and nod and not say anything about Ukraine because he doesn't care right now about fulfilling the fetish of, of giving funding to Ukraine. Now, you guys have listened to me enough to know that I support supporting Ukraine. But I also don't trust the White House when it comes to budgetary matters. And we've given a lot of aid to Ukraine, and I'm fine with that. I'd like to see a lot more accountability coming from the White House. And if Johnson's going to be the one to make the White House accountable and get them to show and get the White House to show their checkbook, I'm fine with that too. We can withhold some of that Ukraine aid until we know exactly where that money's going, which is all most Republicans really want. Uh, most Republicans do want to fund Ukraine, but a lot of them also say, "Yeah, we need to know exactly where that money's going. We know where the money to Israel goes." The money that we give to Israel goes into their defense. It goes into the Iron Dome. It goes into their research and development. It goes into their manufacturing. Ukraine doesn't have manufacturing like Israel does. Israel just needs the money to be able to expand their manufacturing so they can defend themselves and so they can expand their software and their hardware all at the same time to continue to defend themselves because they are surrounded by a bunch of enemies who want not only Israel wiped off the map, but all the Jews wiped off the planet, and for good measure, the U.S. wiped off the planet. And with all of these factors at play, the Democrats are very, very concerned, like I said yesterday, that in their gambit to try to confuse the GOP and exhaust them into electing somebody like Tom Emmer, the Speaker, they've actually paved the way for a much more hardcore conservative to be the Speaker of the House of Representatives. And the second piece of legislation across the floor, the first being a resolution to support Israel, but the second being an appropriations bill that cuts funding on Joe Biden's climate change agenda, it's freaking the left out. But you know what else is happening out there in the very same breath? General Motors is out there talking about how they're going to abandon their goal to build 400,000 electric vehicles by mid-2024. According to the Wall Street Journal, it's the latest sign that automakers are concerned about the viability of the market for battery-powered cars. The Biden administration is still pushing for these impossible goals where electric vehicles are concerned, and the private companies are all out there saying, this isn't going to happen, chief. And the Democrats will stomp and they will whine and they will scream and they will cry. And there's Mike Johnson sitting in the speaker's chair saying, yeah, we're not going to fund that. Kudos to Mike Johnson on that. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Your thoughts, your opinions, your calls, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPL app chat. Commercial break coming up, but first... 
We've got to have our pest of the day right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 is the number. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat like Mike, who mentions, you know, it, it, it feels like Biden sending all this money to Ukraine is sort of a payback for how much they paid to enrich his family. And that, you know, Mike, that may be part of it. Uh, one part that I think is is pretty important to understand here is that we're, you know, I said we give money to Israel. What, we, what we're doing with Ukraine is a bit different. A lot of what we do is we give them money, they turn around and they buy military equipment off of us. So we're actually making money off these loans, these aid packages and things like that. A lot of that is actually coming right back to us. But not all of it. And we're not able to really track where all of it is going. And so maybe maybe you're on to something there. I think it's less something along those lines and just more. They want to be. They want to be seen as being tough on a geopolitical foe like Russia. But the fact is, Joe Biden, when it comes down to it, would balk. He won't go toe to toe with Vladimir Putin. He's he's too weak in foreign policy to be able to do that. Vladimir Putin is sitting there at at the top of the new Russian empire he's trying to build. And Joe Biden does not have the courage to stand up to him. So instead, what he's going to do is he's just going to send a bunch of aid to Ukraine to make himself look like the bigger person here, make himself look like the good guy. But if we can't track where all that money is going, we can't be sure that that money isn't falling into the wrong hands. Because remember, Ukraine is not a, a, a sparkling diamond in Eastern Europe, they are also a country that has dealt with a lot of corruption. It's true. They have dealt with a lot of corruption. So we don't know where all the money we're sending them is. And that, that's the thing that worries me. I support giving money to Ukraine, but I want to see the checkbook. I want to see how it all balances out. Let's take a break. Mike, thank you very much for your comments. Keep the comments coming in, folks. Just if, Even if I refer to you once already, you can still keep sending messages in. I'm fine with that. I'll read them on the air as well. When we come back... I need to talk about TikTok and the Israel-Hamas stuff because there's there's some stuff there to talk about. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. It's your 5 o'clock news cruise taking you home with the news and commentary of the day brought to you by Service Chevrolet. Proud to have them as a sponsor of this hour. If you want to check out what Service Chevrolet can do for you, I recommend going to visit them. 1212 Ambassador Caffrey here in Lafayette. It's very unlikely that you'll be disappointed if you go visit them as soon as you possibly can. So I didn't... I, 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 there's a lot to digest with the Israel-Hamas stuff. And... It's just inundating us right now. As I mentioned earlier, uh, there's actually a, a pro-Palestinian protest, a pro-Hamas rally in New Orleans at Tulane. Um, and there's video and pictures coming out of it. It's just like you kind of see elsewhere. It's not, it's not good. It's very, very anti-Semitic, some of the things that are being said and done at these events. What we're seeing 
in America, and I, I don't want to take away from the severity that is Israel versus its enemies in the Middle East, because that is a very serious thing. But here at home, what we're seeing is a lot of homegrown anti-Semitism and a lot of homegrown pro-Hamas sentiment. These are the very same people who these are the very same people who if you support Donald Trump or hell even if you don't support Donald Trump but you are pretty conservative and believe in a lot of those conservative ideals you were routinely called a Nazi. And yet these the 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 Hamas Hamas and a lot of their supporters, like the Nazis, are trying to eradicate the Jews. And what we've seen come out of Israel, what Israel has released in terms of what was done, there, it's it's very heavy stuff, which is why I haven't gotten into it a whole lot. It's very heavy for a, a, a five o'clock drive home. But there's there's something that I do want to talk about that's related to it. I want to play you this exchange. This is um, this is John Kirby in in the Biden administration. This is uh, this is an exchange he had with a reporter today. Despite saying that he doesn't have confidence in his numbers, the president went further to say that innocents will die and that this is the price of the war. You also said that. I have indeed. Yeah. Don't you think this is insensitive? There being very harsh criticism about it. For example, the Council of American Islamic Relations said it was deeply disturbed and called on the president to apologize. Would the president apologize and no. does he regret saying something no. like that? What's harsh, what's harsh? is the way Hamas is using people as human shields. What's harsh is taking a couple of hundred hostages and leaving families in, uh, anxious, waiting and worrying to figure out uh, where their loved ones are. What's harsh is dropping in on a music festival and slaughtering a bunch of young people just trying to enjoy an afternoon. I could go on and on. That's what's harsh. That is what's harsh. And being honest about the fact that there have been civilian casualties and that there likely will be more is being honest, because that's what war is. It's brutal, it's ugly, it's messy. I've said that before. The president also said that yesterday. doesn't mean we have to like it. And it doesn't mean that we're dismissing any one of those casualties. Each and every one is a tragedy in its own right. And each and every one we should try to prevent. And that is why we're in close contact with our Israeli counterparts, to do everything we can to help them minimize the risk to civilians uh, that are in harm's way. It would be helpful if Hamas would let them leave, leave their homes, leave the, leave areas, not shelter in tunnels underneath their houses and in hospitals, and let them get out, let them get out of Gaza if they want to leave. We know that there are thousands waiting to, to leave Gaza uh, writ large, and Hamas is preventing them from doing it. That is what is harsh. Uh, Karine and John, so besides saying... John Kirby's right. John Kirby's right on that remark. That it's Hamas that's preventing Gazans from leaving Gaza. It is Hamas that's using Gazans as human shields. It is Hamas that went in 
using training from Iran. Went in, slaughtered 1,400 Israelis, beheaded babies, cut babies out of their dying mother's stomachs, and more. But there are reporters who refuse to believe those things. There are reporters out there that still don't believe that babies were actually beheaded, despite the fact that the president himself has said he's seen the pictures. Rashida Tlaib, congresswoman, member of the squad, member of the pro-Hamas caucus, is refusing to delete a tweet where she blamed Israel for the bombing of a hospital in Gaza that not only wasn't bombed by Israel, but the hospital itself is still standing. The misfired Hamas rocket, well not Hamas, uh, uh, the misfired jihadist rocket hit the parking lot of the hospital and did some damage to the building. But no, there were not 500 Gazans killed in that blast. And yet Rashida Tlaib is keeping her misleading, misinformed, straight-up lie of a tweet up. We're seeing these protests at elite universities across the country. We're now seeing some even at universities here in Louisiana. New Orleans at Tulane. I believe there was a, there was a demonstration, I think a small but still a demonstration in Shreveport. All this is going on. And we have a generation, a couple generations actually, of reporters and, and college students at these elite institutions and, and, and getting younger and younger, kids who believe that Israel's at fault here. And part of it is, and I'm going back to something I've, I've gone back to a lot for many different reasons, but a, a huge part of it is social media. There's a, a thread on Twitter today, because I refuse to call it X. It's, it's still Twitter as far as I'm concerned. There was a thread on Twitter today. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Here we go. When I engaged with one post on TikTok supporting opposing views, the opposing views from this Twitter user uh, being people who supported uh, Hamas. When I engaged with one post on TikTok supporting opposing views, my entire feed became aggressively anti-Israel. It was as if I was being placed in an A-B test variant and was told to see this war with Israel being the evil side. As I looked at the tactics and data, I saw that much of TikTok is being controlled by anti-Israel bot farms, paid commenters, likers, sharers, much of which is paid for by Hamas supporting organizations. Then I looked at the data and saw that Israel is losing the TikTok war by a long shot. As an example, the top hashtag is 3 billion viewers, uh, views for Palestine versus 200 million views for Israel. If you look at other hashtags, it's clear that Israel has a distribution issue. Because the TikTok narrative is, how, is, now, to, uh, is now so anti-Israel, the engagement flywheel encourages creators to support that narrative because it's getting the most attention and creating anti-Israel content that helps them increase their following. While we're, spending our pers- while we're spreading our perspectives on Twitter, we need to figure out a way to balance out the narrative on TikTok. Otherwise, I worry we will fall too far behind with high school and college kids, and this is where they get their news. 
and it's true. A lot of the news that our kids get comes from social media, particularly right now, TikTok, and to a lesser extent, Instagram. There is there's a, a content creator. He has a TikTok. I also see his content on Instagram. He does really funny history memes. They're hilarious. They are informative, but they are hilarious. But some of his content has started drifting to the anti-Israel. Some of his content has drifted into the territory of blaming Israel for what's going on. And it disappoints me. If there's a content creator you like, you will probably see this happening because as this person says, the content creators are going to chase where the influence comes from so that they can be part of it as it ships out through them so they can increase their views. Some of them really and truly believe that Israel is in the wrong here. Some of them are just chasing the clout on the internet. But regardless, it's where our kids are getting a lot of their information from. And we really need to pay attention to that because it's getting worse and worse as time goes on. All right, let's take a break. We will be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Your calls, your comments on the app. Get to those when we get back right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back. To the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. One of our commenters on the app, Chris, brings up a very good point. The current generation is experiencing the same thing with Hamas that my generation, millennials, and a little bit older, experienced with Che Guevara. You know, for a while, Che Guevara... T-shirts were just like all the rage. Nobody that was wearing them actually knew anything about Che Guevara. They'd, they'd heard some things. Hey, he's a rebel. He's fighting, whatever, fighting for the people, all that. It seems like a cool shirt to wear. But the people that wore those Che Guevara shirts, in many instances, are now teaching our kids around the country. And they're teaching them to love Hamas, that Hamas is fighting an occupying force, that Israel is really just a group of white settlers that have come to take the land away from Palestinians. And it, it, it ignores the historical claim, thousands of years old, that Israel has to the land, that, that the Jews have to the land. And they forget that Rome kicked them out and allowed the Palestinians in. And remember, Palestinian, the, the uh, Palestine was actually a Roman play on the word Philistines. And the Romans let them move into Israel and scattered the Jews to the four winds because the Jews were constantly standing up to oppose Roman rule. But the Jews are being treated as a white occupying force, and so the people who were infatuated with Che Guevara are now the ones who are teaching or they're professors and they're teaching kids and students to stand up to another occupying force and support Hamas in Gaza. Just what's going on here? And it's why we're in such a troubling place. 
All right, you guys have a great day. I'll be back to wrap up the week tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email Joe at RedState.com if you have any extra comments you want to send my way. The podcast version of the show will be up shortly over on Substack. Just look for Joe Cunningham Show on Substack. You'll find it there. The podcast version of the show, my columns, everything like that, all there. If you subscribe to the column on Apple, Spotify, go ahead and give that a rating and a review. That way, you know, the show grows. The show grows organically that way. Enjoy talking with y'all. We'll do it again in 23 hours here on News Talk 96.5. KPEL, have a great one, guys.